0: Hey guys, Texas Slim here, we are kicking off the Texas Slim's Cowboy Bitcoin Cattle Report. Hello Jason, how are you doing today man? Great, how are you Slim? Good. Jason of uh, Rick Ranches in Colorado, outside of Crawford, Colorado, is going to be hosting our summer conference. And uh, we've been meeting about that, Jason. And whenever I had this idea of the cattle report, you know, I grew up in uh, listening, uh, driving around in a truck. Listen to AM radio and listen to the cattle report every day out of the stockyards out of Amarillo, Texas. And it was a big thing. I mean, it really was, you know, it was about manipulation of prices, it was about the daily, you know, uh formulas. It was about so much that I did not understand. And as I grew older, here we are, you know, we're talking about let's do a cattle report. And what I was just talking and speaking with you about is that, well, I'm going to let you kind of take it from there. These things are going to be fast. They're going to be 30 minutes long, and we're going to talk about really what's going on in the nation as far as cattle and from a regenerative purpose and regenerative perspective. So whenever I asked you, Hey, do you listen to cattle report? What did you tell me? I said, when I started in cattle ranching as a conventional cow,
1: calf producer and a seed stock producer, I used to listen to those Uh, cattle reports, but it's just a lot of undue stress and it just is completely based on manipulation and futures and all of those things. There's nothing real about it. And now that we are working on vertically, vertically integrating everything from the soil to human health, I don't listen to the FUD anymore at all. It's one of those things where my customers support me because they believe in what we do and that's what i'm worried about is taking care of my customers and by doing that i'm taking care of the soil and the grass and the cattle so i don't even listen to the the fud or the cattle reports anymore
0: and you know, whenever you told me that the first time, we've had a lot of conversations that usually you or I refer to is like we don't even have to listen to that noise or that distraction anymore. What we're going to do is we're just going to start speaking in the truth, uh, proof of work, and you. And it's pretty easy to do because what you do, you let all that anxiety go away. I mean, you're you know what you're mostly concerned about Why a nation right now is concerned about having food shortages your biggest concern and your biggest worry as a rancher, as an animal producer, is that can I feed everybody that's going to need me? That's a good anxiety to have because what that is, that's scarcity. And whenever you have that type of scarcity, what you're going to do is you're going to develop your own protocol of how you do things and how you have that relationship with the consumer. How, How easy is that?
1: Well, the exciting thing with that is, I mean, we're essentially sold out for the season. We're, we're, you know, taking deposits for this fall's butcher because of what we do and why we do it. And every every time I turn around, it's like, we are interested in learning more about what you do. We want to do it. How do you do it? How do you get started? And that's the exciting thing with the uh, Colorado Beef Initiative. We're going to have all of that, right, for everyone to put their hands on it, put their feet on it, wrap their mind around it. And uh, it's just, it's such an exciting place to be to lead the charge to regenerative agriculture.
0: It it really is. I had a conversation this morning with another regenerative uh, farmer producer in Colorado. So you bring up the Colorado Beef Initiative and I guess this is a good time. Every state's gonna have a beef initiative. That's the beautiful thing about it right now. Colorado, Tennessee, Missouri, those three states I've seen are, are leading the mo- most, you know. This is a scalable. This is something that is, is as we say, it's grass-fed, it's grassroots. And once we get that algorithm, which we've, I think we have the algorithm, and now we get to expand it out and start broadcasting and the building these nodes. So you talk about being in demand all the way up into the fall. You're taking fall orders. Let's go through 12 months of what you do as a rancher to get everybody their basically animal protein during the seasons?
1: Okay, so let's start in January because that's typically when we're calving. And the reason that we're calving there is because we want all of our cows bred by the bulls we choose to breed them with before they go to the mountains in the fall or in the spring. So we calve January, February, we're completely done by then. March, the snow goes away and the grass starts to grow. April, we start moving on our pastures going up, 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 up in elevation. Right now, they're at about 7,300 feet. Um, Next week, we'll be moving them up to a pasture that goes to about 9,300 feet in elevation. Um, And so then when those coming two-year-old calves come back down this fall, they'll already be finished, ready to go to the butcher on eating that really high quality, high mountain elevation uh, forage, both grass and forbs, brush, leaves. It's one of those things, you know, they found if you, if you allow your children to choose from a wide array of food they will choose to eat whatever their system needs at the time and it's the same thing with cattle if you're allowing them to forage and travel throughout their lifetime they will go seek out what it is that they need and that's the thing with feedlot cattle or cattle that are fed supplements is you're forcing their hand on what they have available to eat which also negatively affects their overall health so then in the fall we'll bring those cows and calves down we'll wean the weanling calf they'll go into a separate pen the cows will go into a separate pen and then all of the butcher steers and butcher heifers we will assign butcher dates on them contact the customers and give them delivery dates or pickup dates and they either come to us and pick them up from us they go pick pick them up at the butcher or we deliver them when we go over to the front range typically once a month on through all of the winter and um and then, of course, like this time of year, the summer is just crazy because we're trying to get all of our irrigation infrastructure together and running a couple of properties. We've been irrigating for about a month. We're finally going to get water here on Fruit and Mesa tomorrow is when we're going to start the canal and then it'll flush trash and we'll be working on cleaning it for probably a couple of days. It'll be running really good by the weekend. And so we have side roll sprinklers and center pivots and gated pipe and open ditch and a little bit of everything. So right now it's like run and gun 5 a.m. to well after dark every day until everything's kind of settled down. And then typically by then the kids are out of school and I can have a couple of kids help me. Um, My son is 14. He's going to be helping me a bunch this year. So I'm looking forward to a little reprieve from the work, Um, but it's nonstop this time of year.
0: Yeah, really. I was having a conversation with my father the other day, he's 80 and he's, he he was like, you've been working really hard for a couple of years now. And I, I told him, I said, man, if I don't work as hard as Jason and Cole and Justin and all these guys, I feel like an asshole, man, because I have to, I have to keep up. We're, we're, we're in this crap together. So every, every morning I'm up, you know, I'm up pretty early. You've seen that. And I'm, I'm, always looking at what you're doing because you usually post some pretty cool stuff in the morning. So everybody know that uh, – n- just know that this these guys, especially Jason, there is no rest here, man. And whenever you're resting, it's it's actually – basically that would be hard hard work for some people out there. But uh, let's talk about the elevation. You brought up, you know, 90 – what, 9,300 feet? Was that what you said? Yeah, you know, I think 9,600
1: the highest that they can is go it? 9,600 feet. Yeah. Okay. With home, that Go ahead. Sorry. Our home place right here in Crawford is right at 7,000 feet. And so that's one thing that I found the lowlanders, you know, sea level folks that come up oftentimes takes them a day or two to catch their breath. Because, of course, you're trying to suck oxygen that's a lot less dense than it is wherever their home place is.
0: Whenever you elevate that, you get them up at the elevation and they're feeding and they're foraging and they're basically coming down. Uh, Have you seen the quality of your beef go up? Because that, I mean, that's a healthy animal whenever it comes down from that elevation. I I know I used to, you know, I used to ski instruct when I was younger and I'd be in the best shape of my life every time after the season was because I was over 10,000 feet most of the time. A lot of people don't realize that. What have you seen in your beef production?
1: Well, the, the nutrient density of the forage, because it's closer to the sun, so there's less atmosphere for those sun rays to travel through. And, of course, Colorado, there's a lot less pollution than a lot of other places, so you don't have smog. Of course, you have, we have our summer wildfires that we've been fighting for the last few years. But what I find is because it's cooler, they will shade up and get up, forage lay down chew their cud and those steers and butcher heifers are just packing on the pounds and so they they are finished like they've been in a feedlot by the time that they come down because they're living their best life it'd be like if you went camping and you were eating you know the best quality food that you can and as much of it and then you just lay around and nap all the rest of the time and um And because they get to travel a lot, their feet stay really good. Their joints are good and healthy. And one of the things that I look at when we're butchering them is the liver, because the liver is the trap for all the toxins and all the problems in their lives. And so we pull those livers out and I have yet to have a lesion, a discoloration, a scar, anything on the livers of all the beeves that we've butchered over the years. And that's really important because there are a, a bunch of our consumers that are eating Large volumes of our grass fed, grass finished liver.
0: That's, I mean, that's a great point because, you know, being able to dissect the liver and look at it. we used to eat liver. Think about that. Growing up, you know, our parents definitely, man, they had a big healthy dose of always having liver and onions, you know, and stuff like that. Well, those were back in the days of, let's say, in the 50s and the 60s and even the 70s, you know, liver was still something you could order at restaurants. Mm-hmm. And if you did that today with a certain type of, uh, you know, cattle, beef, and it's it's not the, healthy, the healthiest thing to do because it is. It's the indicator. It's the indicator of the toxins in that animal and I think a lot of people once they understand kind of that pathway of how you can look at the cow to see the health that that beef can generate because of the basically the, the just looking at that liver is a roadmap that can be understood and now you know us doing this type of cattle report right there you're going to open up a lot of eyes and people are going to say oh i see now let's go a little bit farther deeper into this so whenever you and i were talking earlier we talked about you know some of the feedback you get from people that are still you know in the uh let's say the industrial way of raising cattle. How's that? Is that a good one? Or we can also say that people that really still have really good partnerships with the chemical companies. That's basically what they do. They have, you know, the pharmaceutical and chemical companies, they have relationships with them. And so what type of feedback do you get on a daily basis from this type of perspective? Well, you know,
1: my grandfather is who I learned most of my animal husbandry from, and a lot of my farming from. And he grew up, before you had any chemicals to do anything you didn't have synthetic fertilizer you didn't have backpour and vaccinations and all of that stuff the cattle or the sheep or the goats that survived were the ones that you kept to breed for the next generation and that's how you got the healthiest and strongest genetics and so now that we have completely drank the Kool-Aid as a, as a nation on depending on pharmaceuticals all the i mean all the same pharmaceutical companies that make Drugs for humans make drugs for animals, and so don't you think it would be good for business for them to convince all of our conventional cattlemen that you have to vaccinate, you have to backpour, you have to deworm, you have to put, you know, fly tag, ear tags, you have to use treated salt and treated minerals, you have to do this because it's all about money. The more of that stuff that you use the more dependent you are on it and then the more dependent your cattle are on it because they're not strong enough to fend that stuff off themselves. And so when i hear someone saying, you know, you regenerative guys, you know, it's just a bunch of smoke and mirrors, it's just another uh ploy to sell your product, charge more for your product. Um i'm like come out and look at our pastures because we have dung beetles and all kinds of insects and all different kinds of species of plants and you go out and look at theirs and it is monoculture looks like a golf course because it's mowed short down to the dirt and only the one strong um, man-made GMO grass can survive because they stripped all of the diversity and then they've poisoned all of the the animals, insects, bacteria, mycorrhizae through all the chemicals that they're putting through their cattle. Whereas if we don't do any of that, it's amazing how quickly, I mean, within 120 days, not only can you replace all the red blood cells in a cow, if you're using just simply high quality salt, um, And then all of their feces and urine will contain all of those positive elements trace elements as well, so you're fertilizing the grass and you're building the soil back up through the cow and no one's no one's talking about that because. It's, it's the good old boy club. It is the, you know, the talk around the coffee table, you know, the coffee shop is cattle prices are so bad and diesel is so high and, and fertilizer is so expensive and chemicals are so expensive and equipment is so expensive. Well, you could probably run twice as many cows on the same amount of ground if you decided to do intensive rotational grazing, plant everything back to natives and not even have to start a tractor to move cows. And that's what we're finding that we're moving more and more and more to that is trying to get away from having to have equipment um, and and having to put up hay. And if we're going to feed hay, buy as much hay as we can, because we think of it as fertilizer. I'm hauling hay in from somewhere else and it has X amount of pounds of N and X amount of pounds of P and X amount of pounds of K in it, plus all the biomatter that comes with it. So let's buy it in instead of buying synthetic fertilizer and let's feed it through the cows. We can sell the beef and build soil all at the same time.
0: Uh, it's, it's such a good integration. It's like a circular, uh, you know, it's a circular perspective that you can look at once again you were the first person that ever brought up you know we're doing the vertical integration back into human health and and bringing that education of exactly how you are basically regrowing soil and raising your animals and It's unfortunate that there's uh, there's people out there that can't really speak in the truth anymore. And we're at the point of time where, you know, my first piece was the harvest of deception And, and, you know, I grew up. There, you know, the last fifty years has all been about the chemical industry. It's it's the evolution of the chemical industry into our food. That's it's it's as simple as that, and it, it sucks because you know I want moving forward. I want everybody that I live in a place where we have all four major processors right in one town or two towns, two cities. And I mean, you want to talk about powerful. You want to talk about me getting stairs in, in my home base here. There's a lot of people do not want to talk about it. They do not want to even, you know, mention, I walked over to a local university the other day and in basically every bit of that university, you can track back to, to some people that really aren't too fond of regenerative i'll just put it that way one thing that we are able to do now the beef initiative in 2022 is that this education is going to be a production back into human health once people truly understand that it starts with the vertical integration from the soil to the grass to the cow the animal to the producer to the processor to the supplier to market access to us, our human health—it's—it's it, a—it's an algorithm that's building across the nation, and you see it everywhere you go. I mean, you can look at—you know, Fox News—they're having—you uh, know—several um, uh, people that are coming out talking about regenerative, supporting the American rancher. I know many, many ranchers at this point in time that are looking into the regenerative way because they're 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 having to admit that there is corruption, that there is manipulation, that it's based on something that is not really that beneficial for their legacy. You brought up one time, and I want you to kind of elaborate so people can understand. I asked you, where is the value of the cow now? And you said, Well. In a lot of people, for a lot of people, it's in the USDA insurance policy.
1: Yeah, and that's that's just the fact. You know, we have the farmer feeders who have a few cattle, but the majority of their income is raising corn and soy, which are all highly subsidized through um, USDA crop insurance programs. And so they have a few cows so they can feed any of that um, overage to but if you look at it it's almost like keeping the farmers and ranchers on welfare because instead of having a business that's truly viable like so many businesses should be ran and not having a subsidy or a government funded loan to lean back on if every business had to stand on its own two feet and had to actually make money so many businesses would just fold up, and that that's the thing that i i um I didn't know a lot of about row crop farming because we don't do any of that. everything that we have is planted into perennial pasture, and all of the properties that we lease are either irrigated pastures, irrigated hay meadows, or um, wildland, high mountain meadows and and irrigate or um Dry land pasture. And so the more I talk to some of my friends about why they they do what they do and how they do it and what are the benefits and what are they doing as far as to try and keep more soil health, um, keep more money in their pockets, every conversation mentions something about, well, the insurance doesn't let us take the second crop off. We have to be able to terminate it before we can plant the primary crop. And and I was, you know, I would be asking like, well, that's great grazing. Wouldn't it be better to graze it versus spraying it with chemicals and killing it? They're like, yeah, but the way that the, the um, farm bill is written and the insurance policies are written, they're written to, um benefit the seed companies and the chemical companies so you have to buy chemicals to to terminate those crops i said well what about fire i've heard a lot of people will just go and flame those crops like yeah but then you have to buy propane and propane's more expensive than water and herbicide and all of our equipment is set up you know to just spray and That that was troubling to me. So, of course, I I dug a little bit deeper and I got into that manual and so much of the terminology you have to call an insurance salesman that represents the USDA programs to be able to decipher some of the verbiage because it's very obviously written in legalese to protect the USDA and make you go through an insurance salesman because you can't decipher it yourself. It's, it's just a lot like the tax sure. code, like it's, it's written sure. specifically to favor certain classes of people.
0: Yeah. And, and that's a lot of the, where people don't. And, and once again, I always talk about touch points of your food. How many touch points did that cow go through? Right. And how many touch points, you know, does does this subsidized type of system that we have chemical based system, technology use agreements? I mean, every form of regulation gets you further away from the cow, further away from nutrition, further away from the value in which where we came from, which was the value in the animal itself. And of course, starting with the land, it's not rocket science. Um, and we're we we were talking before is we're gonna move forward. We're gonna be you know as far as the beef initiative, but we're gonna just tell the truth from here on out. We we're not gonna ask permission anymore. This is a point in time in our history where there basically there is a war on protein, animal protein. There is a war and an industry shift that is happening within our industrial food complex. A lot of people do not understand what that shift really is the shift that you're seeing within the processing centers themselves, you know, we've had a lot of processing centers that have been fire, you know, damaged, uh, taken out of the commission, taken offline. There's a lot of different things that have happened over the last two years. I believe the last time the list I saw was 26 in two years, processing centers that have had some form of damage which is taking them offline. I like to call that an industry shift, industrial shift. What that means is everything shifts. You shifts into new technology. Okay, everything that's a part of that shift, well, it's the processing plants themselves are going to upgrade to a new form of technology. The animals themselves are being taken out of the equation, and they're trying to digitize every piece of every. ounce of animal protein that we consume now and they're going to say well we need to track that we need it for safety reasons we need it for climate change we need it for this we need it for that we need it for that once again they're creating a new subsidized market of our animal protein and a lot of people do not understand what that industry shift is happening whenever we do our vertical integration we're our a touch point of every point of that aspect of that animal protein in here in Texas now with, you know, working with KNC cattle, and then I'll let you bring up what you do in your process, but we're going to have vertical integration. We're at a touch point of the soil. We're the touch point of the grass. We're the touch point of the cow. We're the touch point of the producer. We are the touch point of the processing centers. Now we are the touch point of market access to the customer. We don't have to worry about anything that you and I just talked about, and we're doing it by little the law, we're leading within legislation, we're going to lead even further into legislation. And I know that's something you work out, you work very stringently in in the state of Colorado. So let's talk about how you the producer in Colorado is each one of those touch points.
1: Well, that's the great thing about the state of Colorado is a couple of years ago we passed a herd shares act which allows producers to butcher non-USDA and sell those cuts retail direct to consumer. And as long as they are a well-informed consumer and they've been told, or it is very visibly noted that this meat has not been USDA inspected, you can sell it direct to consumer. And so we can use any custom plant and sell individual cuts direct to consumer. A lot of my beef goes into small boutique restaurants or even, you know, um, menu specials. And so I typically do a lot of it USDA anyways. So, our nearest USDA plant to me is about an hour away. Um, but with the Herd Shares Act, we we're actually able to kill on farm with a local mobile butcher because we have some of our consumers who would prefer that. And the beautiful thing about that is there's absolutely no stress in that process. Those beeves come into the squeeze chute, they think they're just in for a checkup or to be weighed on a scale. Boom, that's it you know, the only bad day they've had in their entire life, bleed them, um, string them up, skin them, eviscerate. And that's where we actually get to really look at all of their internal organ health and all of that leaf fat, which is so highly prized for rendering for tallow, which a lot of my consumers are, you know, cooking everything in tallow or, of course, clarified butter, you know, ghee. And so that gets an off opportunity to have a value-added product as well. And it, it's, and then I get to compost all the offfall that we don't use, the hides and hooves and all of those things that otherwise would just go in the dumpster. I'm able to um, scrape up in my manure pile and compost that, and then subsequently later spread it out on my fields to, to put all of those nutrients and all of that, those life forces back into the soil.
0: what a fun process (laughs) you know it's 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 kind of fun because you know you're a part of a lot of different um programs in, in, in Colorado. And from the very beginning, you and I talked about the conference that we're, we wanted to pull off. And I said, man, I, I'd be honored if we could come out to your, your whole apparatus because you own land, of course, but then you also steward land. You leverage your surrounding area, which is outside of Crawford, Colorado. And, you know, this is called the North Fork Valley. A lot of people haven't been to this part of Colorado. So we said, well, let's make this a destination spot and let's kick off this conference in July. So here we are. We're 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 selling tickets now, July 22nd through the 24th. It is going to be a three day conference. It is going to be something that is uh, intentional. People are going to come learn. They're going to actually be able to be interactive. We're going to have some damn good speakers there from across the board, from ranching to Bitcoin to security to mining. You know, we're going to start releasing those names next week. Um, What is this conference for you? You and I have had many discussions about it. What does it mean to you and how do you feel right now?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, the biggest thing for me is – We don't own any land, even our home place. My mother-in-law owns this ranch and we pay a cash, cash lease to her. But what's exciting for me is I'm always telling people and explaining to them what we're doing and why we do it. But to actually get them out on the land where they can see it that's a completely different thing. And that's, I'm so excited to be able to share that with so many different kinds of people. That was the amazing thing about Kerrville is all of those different people that I got to visit with and connect with and, and link up and listen to all their expertise and everything that they're passionate about and then explain what we do and why we do it. And so for me, and the other thing too, is, you know, the, the Rocky Mountain Farmers Union, which is an organization that I am a, on the, the Delta chapter board of directors, when they heard about it, they were all in. They want to put on a lunch on, on Sunday. Um, they want to come and volunteer and help. And those are all small Uh, young producers so those guys are all doing that almost all of them from the ground up whether it's a truck garden whether it's a catering uh, business whether it's a peach orchard whether it is a, a organic orchard vineyard you name it those guys and gals That's what they do. And they started from the ground up, completely independent. No, no mommy's money, no daddy's money, just doing it. And that's the thing that I want to preach to everyone is anyone can do it if they so choose. It's just really a a change of a state of mind.
0: It really is, and that that you know we're going to do everything that possible, uh, you know, to get these tickets sold as fast as possible. So, you know, we're going to have campsites that we're going to offer. There's a there's many little communities around there. You know, this is not get off your plane and you know go to the Hilton. This is going to take a little legwork. Uh, We've done all the legwork for you. All you got to do is say, hey, I'm going to commit to buying a damn ticket, and I'm going to be in Crawford, Colorado, because we're going to kick off mid afternoon on Friday. Basically, Uh, we're going to be. Over there about the reservoir and that'll be very cool that's where the campsites are and then saturday is going to be full on we're going to have the speakers in the morning afternoon's going to be all interactive you're gonna you've named a couple of places that you want people to go check out so tell me a few of those
1: well so we've got um tops orchards that's an organic orchard There are apples and peaches we've got a couple of different vineyards One of them for sure that's full in is Peony Lane. Um, and they they're like homesteaders also. So they've got a full vineyard, uh, winery as well as gardens and animals, livestock, all of that stuff. And of course then our place here, um, Rick ranches, and then we're going to tour one of the ranches that we lease that we're doing intensive rotational grazing on. We've been building fantastic soil health and, um, diversity of species it's actually called rancho largo it's right in the shadow of the needle rock so there's been a couple of pictures that i've posted on twitter that i've taken from that property and it is a it is a magical property a a giant canal comes through that property that we irrigate out of and it is it is just mind-boggling how powerful that geological formation is and it, it brings people to tears when I tour them around that property. They don't know why, but it's just that powerful. So it's super intense. And, and I love it because what we're doing there is very visible on the ground. There'll be cows there to look at. And
0: um, so I'm super excited. Uh, I, I, that's my, one of my favorite pictures. I used to hang out close to needle rock. I used to do a lot of fly fishing and stuff back in there. Uh, when I saw that picture, I was like, man, we're onto something here. And I think it was yesterday. I was talking about, you know, you ever seen a boulder come rolling off that thing? <laughs> it's pretty fascinating. I haven't seen it, but I've heard the stories, you know uh, it is a magical place. It, this, this whole conference is going to be something else. And, you know, we want people to kind of invest in, you know, what we're doing here the education is going to be phenomenal this is about and you we've talked about this before this is about a international lifestyle that we're starting this year within the beef initiative this is a new way to look at your life to get back to what uh, you know the source of the seed of who we are what our desires are and why we're doing what we're doing and there's a roadmap here that is coming very holistically, organically, and it's coming from the ground up. And, you know, everybody can use us as a distraction. We don't have to pay attention to the manipulation of our food anymore. We don't have to pay attention to the manipulation of our society anymore, the social engineering that goes on. There is something here that's very valuable, and a lot of people are jumping on board. Um, You know, we're going to actually, I wanted to bring up, you and I decided we're going to have gourmet, caveman you know as as a chef for our animal protein because we're gonna we're gonna do beef we're gonna do a hog we're gonna do fowl and i think we might even have a good line into some lamb so you know here we are we're gonna diversify within the animal protein in colorado it feels very colorado to me how
1: about you Well, that's just it. I mean, it's the bounty of the North Fork. So the Farmers Union is going to put on a farmer's lunch on Sunday, and uh, we're going to talk about how much of that value actually the farmer sees at the farm gate. But it'll all be sourced locally sourced foods, whether it's Olathe sweet corn, you know, Crawford, um, Payonia peaches, all of that stuff is all going to be sourced locally. And so that way you get to see just what the bounty is that comes from this Beautiful valley that we live in.
0: I cannot emphasize enough if you're doing anything this summer or if you haven't made your plans, get to thebefinitiative.com, buy your tickets. This is something uh, we're, we're grass. Fed. We're grassroots. This is crowdsourced. Uh, we're not making profits off of these conferences. What we're doing is we're investing in the next conference, so we can get everybody there and provide much value for value. And I, I, I mean, the ticket prices are phenomenal for what three days. Uh, what we're going to pull off in three days, people won't want to leave. We know that much. And, uh, you know, they're going to find a new destination spot. They're going to find a lot of new friends. They're going to find a new lifestyle. And so we're bringing it all. Um, you know, this year's going to be fun. This year is going to be a blast. And, you know, at the end of this year, you know, I want everybody to know one of the first pioneers of basically this phrase right here was Jason Rick of Rick ranches and he's part of the beef initiative. And we talked about the vertical integration before from the soil to market access. Well, this is a vertical integration back into human health. And what we're doing this year in 2022 is we're kicking off the Great American Health Initiative and it's gonna be led by the American regenerative farmer, rancher, producer. Everybody start getting used to hearing that. Um, I'm gonna be road tripping up to uh, Tennessee in the first of June. I'm gonna be meeting a bunch of Bitcoin pointers up in nashville we're going to be making a lot of announcements then i want to stop off at least 20 ranchers from texas to tennessee and we're going to do this live stream and we're going to basically get daily reports from texas slim road trip and i don't have the money yet i got to figure out how to get there so i need gas money but i'm going to figure it out i'm going to have a lot of camping equipment but i'm going to start inviting ranchers to reach out to me reach out to jason anybody across the united states between texas and tennessee everything in between let me know i want to come meet you i want to come shake your hand so this is going to be a story that kicks off today on the first ever texas slims cowboy bitcoin cattle report and uh we're going to bring it to you each week at noon central time on the beef initiative youtube channel so jason thank you anything parting shots let's go let's get people motivated anything you'd like to say Get out of your cubicle
1: and come to the Colorado Beef Initiative, and we will change your life. We will give you the tools that you need to break away from the ball and chain of corporate life, and you
0: can go live your best life and breathe some fresh air and eat some fantastic food. And you're going to make some really kick-ass people, so get giddy up. Here we go, man. We're going to move forward hard and fast now. Jason, thank you always. Uh, We need to get back to work. What do you say?
1: That's for sure. I've had six phone calls since we started.
0: So <laughs> it's hopefully it's not that here. the cows are out. <laughs> right? All right, keep us updated. Everybody pay attention to us. Here we come. Thanks, Jason. Here at the Beef Initiative, we encourage all your ranchers out there to tell us who and where you are so we can let everybody know they're looking for you. This time I'm shouting out KNC cattle out of Austin, Texas. KNCCattle.com. Cole, he's a fourth-generational Texas rancher. He knows what he's doing.